We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, coming at Wednesday morning, it's January 18th. Wolves get the Nuggets in Denver this evening. Trying to get back after the loss to Utah on Monday. And for today's show, I guess we're going to get into a few different topics loosely related to that Utah game. I specifically kind of want to focus on Mike Conley and Walker Kessler from Utah. Obviously a player the Wolves traded away. Uh, in Kessler and then a player that seems, you know, more than reasonable to discuss as someone the Wolves could trade for at the deadline in Mike Conley. I've got Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press to get in to this with me. Jace, I want to start with Conley and, you know, not specifically about the trade right away, but or the possibility of a trade, but just after the Wolves played the Jazz, you went over to the Utah locker room and got quotes from their players while we were in the Minnesota locker room. And, you know, not to just make you read the quote, but can you kind of tell the listeners about what Mike Conley said about the process of learning how to play with uh, Rudy Gobert and his time in in Utah with him? Sure, I'll pull, like, a little bit from it. Um, But Conley is a good example of somebody who, like, didn't grow up in his career playing with Rudy Gobert. He obviously came from Memphis, played with somebody who was totally different in Marc Gasol, yeah. had to adjust to playing with Rudy, like so many Wolves players, D'Lo, Ant, all these guys are adjusting to playing with Rudy. Rudy's talked about that process with Conley before, and so Conley was asked, like, how did you get used to playing with Rudy? And he said it honestly took a few months. Um, and yeah. in that first year, so Conley got hurt in that first year uh, pretty early on and missed some time. Yeah, I forgot then, about all of this. Like, I had to go look this back up last night. So, so did I, and you put it in the notes and I was like, that's right. He did like that first year is always painted as a rough point for Conley in Utah, but he missed time like uh, seven weeks. And it, yeah. And then by the time they finally come back and it's maybe like, okay, it's back in January, starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. Well then, you know, everybody knows what happened in 2020 COVID <laughs> comes uh, season suspended. Uh, and then he felt like in the bubble, they kind of figured it out. You know, you have a little, you have a few games there, like the quote unquote regular season in the bubble. And then they have the playoff series against Denver, which they lose. But uh, he talked about like, he played with like Marcus Gasol, who was a pick and pop player, stretching the floor, the spacing. There's just a lot more spacing for him to operate in. Um, when he's coming down the floor, things look different. Um, sure. And then when you have Rudy, who's just more of that vertical presence in terms of like, he is going 
playing north and south, going down to the rim, uh, and how do you utilize that as a player? And he said, like, I had to change my game. This is the direct quote. I had to change my game a lot to dictate how to get him the ball and how to use him the best we can. And he said, it worked, and we got it to work. It just takes time, and everybody's got to be patient. And I will say, like, just in the general tone, it was like, it worked. Uh, You know, like, it wasn't, I wouldn't even say it's like like a beaming thing of, like, this became awesome it's like we figured it out um, right. like, I, I got that I, vibe I, from the quote too yeah it was like uh, we we got there eventually like uh right. but and i think that's something that like mike conley's a veteran i mean he was what 32 at this point mm-hmm. like he's gonna figure it out um he's been he's just seen enough basketball so like it's not a big surprise that somebody who went through these growing pains now you have even Dilo, who's significantly younger than Conley was at the time, um, and Antua obviously is like ten right. more than ten years younger. Um, it's going to take them a lot of time too. And then even after Conley was done, you know, with the interview, just like uh, just talking to him a little bit more, like, oh yeah, you know, like how did you get it to work? Um, so this part wasn't in quotes, but like it's just general basketball talk. And he's like, yeah, you figure out that you have to go, you know, you've got to take it a little deeper on your drives and be more patient. And then that's when the lob opens up to Rudy. And it was exactly what Kyle Anderson has described right. um, for, for <laughs> how things have worked with Rudy. Um, you know, he said, you've got to get it deeper. You've got to take an extra dribble. And then that's when the lob opens up. And so Conley figured that out. Kyle Anderson's figured that out. I think, you know, like that'll be something that maybe like Ant and Dilo can figure out, but Ant is going so quickly. Uh, See, that dude, I don't that's know. the thing. It's the speed. Like when you think about playing pick and roll with Marcus Saul, you go, okay, that's a really big, slow player. So like you're in, inst- like, or maybe from the outside, we think you got to run that pick and roll slower, but it's actually the opposite when it's a pop, right? Like you want to attack you create the, the space. Whole, exactly. Yeah. To get that. And then Rudy, who's way faster, way more athletic than Marcus Saul. That's actually where you want to go slower. Right. And, and wait longer for Rudy to like develop really that that lob space. And like you said, with Kyle Anderson or back in Utah with Joe Ingles, that slow, more deliberate player who can kind of wait for it that, you know, that's where you can hit him. That's not Ant. You know, Ant is is the opposite where it's like, man, I'm going to attack this whole quick and then I want to probably find the guy on the pop or that just more naturally fits his skill set. And then I was thinking about this, like from the D'Lo perspective, right? Like. Which one of those is D'Lo? He should probably be more the Kyle Anderson, Joe Ingles mold. Like he is, if nothing else, like deliberate, right? And we, we talk about that oftentimes of him like delaying actions too long, just like in general. But that should be helping, you know, more for the pick and roll. And so I don't know, maybe this is very glass half full, but like I think D'Lo, if we're going between Ant and D'Lo of... Again, we're about to talk about D'Lo potentially being traded. But if that doesn't happen, I think that D'Lo will be more likely to develop what Conley was talking about there, like over time with Rudy. The bet he would be able to develop it quicker than Ant will. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that because I don't even know if you want Ant. Um, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like the greatest thing about him is that how he uses his force, you know, and like, and they just want him to do that more. They're like, mm-hmm. drive hard to the rim, you know, like, I don't think they want him like, okay, right. slow it down, be more patient, prod in there. Like, they're, they are still in the phase of like, Ant, you charge and attack the rim, you know, like use your speed, <laughs> put pressure on the rim. Like, don't worry about Rudy. I mm-hmm. would think right now, um, try to use him, but don't, don't manipulate your game. Right. Uh, D'Lo, you're right about the pace. It's just the problem is he doesn't get the depth on his drives to create that really long angle point. that you see with like Conley used to do angles. Kyle Anderson does. Uh, you know, he always kind of or just the floater. Point. Like it's the floater, right? Like why that's, isn't that there? 
you know? It's, it, I think it is there. It's just not a shot that he likes. You yeah. know, like you see him get guys on the back and then instead he kind of does like a little bit of a fade back, you mm-hmm. know, from 12 feet versus sure. that floater. Uh, so that's what's interesting. It's not like a perfect mesh with either of their games, but mm-hmm. D'Lo certainly is a more natural fit or at least should be, it should be easier for him to slightly change what he's doing. I think mm-hmm. to make Rudy work versus and it's like, I don't even know if the Wolves want that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, remember at the beginning of the season, we were like, okay, you got to pair Anderson with Cat because that's defense with offense. Yeah. And then you got to pair Prince with Rudy because that's shooting around Rudy's non shooting. And then that proved to be wrong. It's the opposite, right? But I think we were correct in saying that you want to pair Ant with Cat more like when the stagger's happening and D'Lo with Rudy. I think that would still hold to be true given what we were just talking about. If nothing else, like, I think we know with Ant that Cat in a pick and roll with him is just the better option than than what the the Rudy one is. So again, whenever that time comes, that's going to be just like fascinating. Is not like how Finch decides to rotate this, right? Like I was thinking, I was at the Denver game last night, and forever, like obviously Denver's had Jokic, but then they have that like fifteen minutes a night with the other backup center and they've always just they've sucked right it's or guys have not worked there like mcgee cousins deandre jordan now and i'm like that should be a real weapon for the wolves against teams with a dominant center who don't have a backup is like you got to play against rudy and carl for 48 minutes right and so the wolf obviously not tonight but i think it's a decent possibility their first round matchup is against denver and i'm like that could really be the weapon of this team. Can we actually figure out that stagger so that Carl is playing against backup bigs or one of them is playing against backup bigs? They should dominate those minutes, right? I and mean, that, that's when we saw Carl's offense tick up even in those first 20 games, right. right? Like it was it was like, okay, now we're back to Cat against mm-hmm. big slow center on the perimeter. He's driving by. He's scoring points in bunches. Um, I think we saw some of that and then they would just give it up on the other end. So it didn't seem like the yeah. team dynamic was great but carl's offense was it was. certainly had a massive uptick mm-hmm. um and that's where, like you're gonna get more advantage if carl is the one on the floor against the backup big versus rudy because you know you're just not gonna get the same mm-hmm. rudy's offense exposing that player um and denver's bench still does suck yeah. um just like the just in terms of the overall like net ratings i don't know why but i just happened to look at it the other day and like the bench players have horrific net ratings uh what else is new basically uh but yeah it's it's that should be a thing. Uh, that should be one of the positive things. It's what we saw with Cat's offense. It's just mm-hmm. getting then the second unit defense with Cat to kind of match up with it and actually make the whole thing a net positive. Right. Uh, let's go back to Conley. We got off t- tangent there a little bit, but like the the point being is the first year that he was th- when Conley was there and he was hurt and it was COVID and all that. It was rough, but then it like really clicked in that next season. That that was his best year in Utah, probably. I don't know, maybe Utah's best year overall. They were the one seed that year in the West, 52 and 20. Uh, Conley shot 41.2% from three. His assists jumped up. Uh, that that was the year they went on to lose to the Clippers in the second round and the you know spread the floor game and all that. But point being, it did that second season, I think, get significantly better with Conley and specifically Conley with Gobert, which... You know, whether we're talking about what as we just were with Ant and D'Lo or if it's trading for like it. I think no matter what, this is going to get better with Rudy. That's not a hot take. 
But there is some evidence from the Utah time that it's like, okay, I had to figure out this, how Rudy plays. And then for Utah, at least, it spiked. And and the year after that, you know, they were good too. Not as good. They were the five seed that year, but 49 and 33. Conley was still good. Shot over 40% from three. Um, you know, you, and then that's that next year, I put this in the notes. They, they may not have had a better record, but they were the number one offense in the league. So over time with Rudy and Conley, the offense got kind of exponentially better over those three years, which is, I think, room for optimism with Ant and Delo. But I think it's also reason to, you know, consider this possibility of trading for Mike Conley, which Sham Sharani reported uh, at the Athletic on what was that yesterday? It was yesterday, Tuesday, um, where the Timberwolves and Clippers are both expressing interest in in Mike Conley, and for the Wolves, like that'd be great if you got twenty 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 one, you know, Mike Conley with with Rudy Gobert. That's a you know no, but even outside of the money, just if you could get that type of production between your one and five, you do that in a second if you're the Wolves. Problem is, you know, Con- what, Conley's 35 going on 36 now. Like, I don't know. That's the big thing when I when people ask me about, you know, a, a D'Lo for Conley trade or a D'Lo for Lowry trade. It's, it's that age factor, particularly for point guards where you're like, all right, the D'Lo Rudy thing isn't going great, but are we sure we want to bring in a 35, 36? Like, was Lowry 37? Like, that player might just fall off completely. And and I think that's the thing. As I start convincing myself, oh, th- these trades make sense, I go, man, I don't know. Because these players, Conley and Lowry, aren't just under contract for this year. They're under contract for next year as well. It's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a risk to take on a player of, of that age. Where, where are you just kind of at in your head about this type of D'Lo trade if it were to happen? I think I'd be more open to it. Conley um, as much as anything because like you see the guiding hand he's been on that Utah team and kind of helping this team with a bunch of young guys coming together and just been a stabilizing force and frankly I think he's probably done quite a bit to help out Walker Kessler who we'll talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. later in the show but like you know like he talked to Ant after the game uh, the other night and was like hey you made the right play on that last play which I know you talked about and I wrote about today and like and he's like, oh, yeah, I talked to Ant after every game. I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, he's great. Like, wait, Conley I think Mike Conley this? is, huh? Conley said he talks to Ant after every game. After every Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. Does Tim Rose game. No, not after every game. Uh, but like, guys like every time, like, he makes a point to go talk to him. He's yeah. like, I've, I've got a lot of respect for Ant. Like, Sweet. I just think, like, that's like a veteran presence that you know is going to be really beneficial. Um, and, like, Conley's got a game that's aging well enough like he shoots it well enough 35 percent, i think from three this year and like and i don't think he would have any problem stepping to the wayside and being like yep and has it right now um you know like well, and that's the difference time. between a 36 year old and a 26 year old right right like it's only because natural they're not for, for con mike conley's not yeah. playing for contracts anymore you mm-hmm. know like he knows this is the last big one he's on and that's it yeah. uh you know i think he just probably wants to try to win games um mm-hmm. and i i am always hesitant about like making a move just because you're trying to salvage this season um, and win as many games as you can this season, because I know that's what the Gobert trade kind of was about, but 
you just watch Ant and Jaden play and like their ascension. And it's like, you do have to be thinking long-term as well. But I think my having Mike Conley around for the next year and a half is probably beneficial in a lot of respects, even for those guys. Uh, just like listening to this guy talk in the locker room and like the presence he has, I think that's pretty beneficial. But as far as like this season goes, I would say a lot of people will point at the shooting numbers and the scoring numbers and say like downgrade going from D'Angelo Russell to Mike mm-hmm. Conley. But it's so much more than that. It's it's like it's fit. It's fit with Rudy. It's making Rudy Gobert a better player. It's it's stepping out of the way for Anthony Edwards, which Russell has done a decent job of. But then like defensively, Conley's not even like a great defensive player, especially at this stage. But I think it's hard to express sometimes the negative impact that Russell can have on that end of the court. Um, and I really noticed this by watching that fourth quarter back uh, from Monday. And like I tweeted this out, but this transition clip where D'Lo, Austin Rivers, Jalen Noel are all outside of the three point line on a three point attempt from Jalen Noel. Utah is everybody inside the three point line. Uh, Noel misses. Utah grabs the rebound. Doesn't look like it has any intention of playing in transition. But I'm terrible at pronouncing his name. Ochai Agbaji. Uh, I think close enough. Yeah, and uh, he he kind of takes off. There is Jaden. There is Austin Rivers. They are pointing him out to D'Lo. Like, you got him. Yeah. Um, and Agbaji gets behind D'Lo. Uh, D'Lo kind of seems to get lost in it, never mm-hmm. gets back to the paint. Uh, Nikia Walker-Alexander lob layup in transition. Now, boom, it's a six-point game. Like, the Wolves were up, like, eight points in the fourth quarter to start this thing. And then Nikia Walker-Alexander, not like not like Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson. Nikia Walker-Alexander walked by D'Lo in for a layup. Nikia Walker-Alexander comes around on a dribble handoff. Russell's just not anywhere near his body, and it's an easy three for Walker-Alexander. Like, And boom, you know, like, Utah's back in the game because Russell... Russell's defense, frankly, like that, it, that walked Utah back to a two point game. Um, there are more stretches like that, that are kind of hidden throughout the game than you realize. So like, you know, I think having like a Conley in there, like it's more of a stabilizing force on both ends. So I, I can see the benefits for it. Yeah. It's the like, I mean, I've been, I don't know if harping on is the term, but pointing out that, that Delo's shooting has been really good this year. It but, has. It has for sure. Especially but, of late. After a rough start, it's been great. It, it's the it's the opportunity cost, right? Because you you're getting that better you're gonna get better shooting out of Delo than you are Conley likely. And like you said, then I think the numbers this year very much show that. But what if you trade some of that shooting efficiency for some more connectivity on both sides of the ball. Defensively, I, I think for sure that's just more of a veteran presence and con- we're not suggesting Mike Conley is any some lockdown defender, particularly at no. 35 years old, but it's that stuff, right? It's it's the this team, I think, given the fact that, you know, two of your best players are kids still basically and Aunt Jaden, like you just need some of that connectivity. That's why I think you we see the benefit of the vets coming back and playing in Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince. And that's the question, right? Like, do you want to trade some offense for a little bit more of that? And I think that's just from a this year standpoint or how it impacts this roster. That's the Conley for D'Lo swap, like in basketball terms, what they would be trading. I want to talk a little bit more about this, but let me just grab a quick break here so we can keep moving. Today's show is sponsored by The Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is one of the world's most successful firms at scaling brands across direct-to-consumer and retail channels. Their consultants have helped over 300 brands generate more than $3 billion in retail sales thanks to their marketing team's next-gen technologies to influence consumers. Currently, their sales team manages over 100 brands found online and on retail shelves around the world. 
On average, after working with the Genesis company, clients increase the valuation of their firm by a factor of three. So whether you want to build your brand or eventually sell your firm, they're undefeated and the best of the best. Because they are Minnesota-based and fans of this podcast, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI that lets any founder know if their brand is meeting its potential. In a few hours, you'll know how big your brand is supposed to be. Email them at grow at signthegenesiscompany.com to get your free access and find out if your brand can be the next big thing. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we're back with Jace Frederick. Jace, I was just talking there for a little bit. I'll let you respond to the, before we get into like what a Conley Delo type trade would functionally look like. Did you want to respond to that? No, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just frankly wondering, like, okay, we heard all of the talk from from these trade discussions with Rudy Gobert in the offseason that Utah did not want D'Angelo Russell. So are we sure that Utah now wants D'Angelo Russell, even in a Mike Conley swap? Like, is that not I, I considered? Think, I think it's a three-team trade. That's why, like, I'm not even going to say some sort of specific example. I think that's just kind of the, I mean, it's fun, right, to have a pull up the trade machine and make up a trade that gets the green check mark and we could screenshot it we could tweet it out but like i don't think that's functionally what this is and i, I think it's, it's a good point by like i yeah i don't think utah is in that spot like the value of delo right is one of two things you think you're getting like some microwave scoring for the stretch run of the season is one value and then the other value of him is that contract is expiring right does Utah really need either of those things? Like, is Utah even going to try and be making a push here? Does Utah, like, does Utah really desperately want to get off of that next year of Mike Conley? Like, no, not as much as, like, that's why the Miami one, I think, makes a little bit more sense for them. It's like, okay, some scoring punch in D'Lo, plus, you know, we then that money comes off the books. We don't have to pay Lowry the next season. So that that's what I think about there. And then from the Wolves' perspective, like it it does make sense if we buy into the whole salary slot thing to bring Conley back because Conley is under the on under contract for next season as well. You salvage that salary slot, whatever. Um, but but just functionally, I think it would have to be a three team trade if Conley was coming back here because not just because I don't think Utah would want D'Lo, but because the money doesn't perfectly match up, right? Like but Delo's at 31-4 this year. Conley's at 22-7. So, like, other players need to be in the deal. And if it was just one for one with Utah, it's like, 
one, like, I don't think a lot of the players who would make the money work are players who were on the Timberwolves last season. I don't think Jared Vanderbilt's coming back to Minnesota or Malik Beasley, you know, or Walker Kessler, right? So you start looking at it, it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Oshai Agbaji, like, who I don't, that's their first, first round pick. I don't think they'd want to trade him. Like, the money just doesn't really match up in a one for one trade with those two teams. And I don't think the logic from Utah's perspective really lines up for D'Lo. So if this were to happen, my assumption would be that it's a three team trade. And I don't, you know, that's a, that's a whole spider web of what that would look like. But that, that's where my head's at with it. Yeah. Knowing we were talking about this, I just like putzed around for two seconds and on the, on the trade machine. And the only thing where I was like, I could see Utah taking this sweetener and maybe having some interest here would be like, if there was like D'Lo and Nas for like mm-hmm. a Kelly Olynyk and Mike yeah. Conley, mm-hmm. you know, which, and I don't, and I don't know if I would want that. I don't know if either side thinks that's a good deal, but like the Nas would be the sweetener of like, okay, you're taking on D'Lo. It doesn't really fit what you want, mm-hmm. but you can have Nas as well. Yeah. You know, like if they wanted to, to, if they were like, we want Nas to be a long-term backup, which I think that's the type of team that Nas should yeah. go to, right? Like yep. uh, you could play some minutes alongside Kessler, but then you're mostly the backup center and like mm-hmm. you with the scoring punch, that type of thing. Yeah. Like I, I, I do. I mean, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think for a lot of Wolves fans who really like Nas, I think almost any type of D'Lo trade, it's kind of logical to put him in there as the sweetener, as you put it. And again, if teams aren't trading for D'Lo for a long-term purpose, like what are they getting out of the trade? You know, and they're not getting a pick. We know that. Exactly. So no, I, I I'm I'm with that too. And I think, yeah, like I don't know. It doesn't Kelly Olenek have money for next season too? He does, yes. Yeah. So that makes it like as much as like, ooh, salary slot, save it for deal like you simultaneously don't want to be taking on additional money right. long term for this team. So yeah, I, I just see nothing that perfectly lines up. Actually, that's probably the best example. I just don't love that. I can't imagine they would particularly. No, Kelly Olynyk. I don't know either. Too. I don't think so either. Like so, now Kelly Olynyk's in the Nasrol. Well, Nasrol is about to not exist once Carl's back. So yes, moral of the story. I think we're looking at uh, a three-team trade if Conley were to be the player coming back, and and I think it's something to consider. I I really I put value in what Conley said and what Conley did in Utah. Those two did progress together, even if Conley, like, it was a little tough. But, like, that might just be the nature of playing with Rudy. It's a little tough, right? It, like, that's how you maximize him, by your point guard being like, hey, this is different. I need to accommodate for this player, and it will profit for us. That's not easy for a lot of players to do. I think it's easier for a veteran to see and understand and and sacrifice a little bit there. And just, like, with, like, the ant thing, like, Mike Conley goes out of his way after the game to go up to Ant and be like, you made the right play there at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing that for a non-teammate. Uh, sure. What do you think he's going to do for somebody who's on his team? Uh, sure. There's there's value in a lot of things like that. And like, it's not just, you know, how are you maximizing Rudy? He's also then obviously would be thinking like, what do I need to do for Cat? What do mm-hmm. I need to do for Ant? Um, the Wolves need more of those guys on the team. Uh, I agree. And, it, it is so interesting just to discuss like D'Lo trades right now and like needing sweetener and whatnot when like he's playing pretty well. Right. Uh, and for what he does, for what he does, he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, but it's tough to find a team where it's like, yes, they would definitely be in the market mm-hmm. for D'Lo and like want him to push them over the top. I just, I, I don't see many spots like that on like, you know, championship level teams or whatever this year. And that's what makes it, it 100%. challenging. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, again, I, I said this before when I was talking about it, like, this is just really unknowable for us 
because we don't know what Delo's market is in terms of the trade market. And we don't know what, like, it's really hard to say how much money Delo's going to make next season. I don't know. Like, that number, I'm fascinated to see what that number is, whether it's with the Wolves or whoever. Like, I used to always say that about Wiggins after they traded him. I'm like, I'm fascinated to see what this dude gets paid. Like, once it's back on the market and, like, he earns whatever he deserves, right? And and then sure enough, Wiggins is awesome and he, like, gets near the backs. That's just it. Like, it's a team trading form would likely be a team uh, unless you just want to get off the money um, unless you're just trying to clear your books out otherwise if it's a team that wants to use delo it's probably a team where it's like okay now we can re-sign him right. but you need to know what that number is ahead of time right so you, yeah you like you got to be having those conversations like now right in in terms of understanding what that value would be and you know with delo again like this is probably his biggest like this next contract is going to be the biggest contract he signs for the rest of his career just kind of yeah. on the age curve so you know from him and his camp's perspective i'd be like okay cool like miami traded for delo but now charlotte on the open market next season is willing to offer seven million more per year than than miami is like you got to consider that if you're if you're russell right just from a an earning standpoint because i think this will probably be his last quote unquote big deal that that he signs. It's just traditionally kind of how it works for point cards. Yeah. Miami gets the income tax bump there. So that's true. That's a that's a good point. <laughs> All major hypotheticals. <laughs> uh let's talk uh talk about a not hypothetical trade, one that happened. And uh Walker Kessler, I talked about it a little bit after the game um on Monday, but you know it's uh, it's a hard topic. I'm not trying to hammer on this too much because I think some Wolves fans are like, I don't even want to think about Walker Kessler because it hurts because is he as good as, I mean, I got some texts like, is is Walker Kessler better than Rudy Gobert right now? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, it, that's, he's not a better player than him right now. I don't think it would help the Wolves more if they had Walker Kessler. It's the everything else that you traded in addition to him. Though, Kess, that wasn't a, that wasn't a flash in the pan game from Kessler at all on Monday. Like, He's just playing more now, and he, like he, what he was doing off the bench is just expanding now into a thirty-minute-a-night role, and without any diminishing returns. Dane, he he now qualifies on Basketball Reference in the NBA leaders. He is like twelfth or thirteenth in win shares per forty-eight minutes Jesus. in the NBA. <laughs> it, it, that and that is like it's a that's it's the list of like great NBA players, and like, that's a that's a Rudy stat too, like. It is, and Rudy is still like twentieth or something. But Walker Kessler is—I'm going to look it up quick. It—it it is absurd uh, where he sits in that. I mean, he—he he does the things that really play into those stats. Which again, those stats, obviously Walker Kessler is not the twelfth or thirteenth best player in the league, but he does those. He shoots a really high percentage from the field. He gets a lot of block shots, and he rebounds at a really high level. And the team ben- is benefiting from that. That's what is driving a stat like that, you know, and do you have it in front of you? Yeah. So it's, it, it largely is always a number that benefits bigs. Like, and that's why Rudy always like dominated it too. Like you'll see more centers and power forwards in there because like, you know, the rebounds, the block shots, whatever. Uh, but he now is 15th. Nick Claxton passed him last night. Uh, so that's an example. Like Nick, Nick Claxton's yeah, having a great year. He's example. 14th. Yeah. He's 14th in the number. Uh, but there certainly are elite guards are ahead of him. Like Shea is like eighth and Dame, Dame is 11th, but Walker Kessler's 15th. 
Steph Curry is 16th, Jason Tatum is 17th. <laughs> uh, you know, but like, but it is a lot of the great players in the NBA are the ones above them. It's like it is a number that just values really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some outliers in there, but Kessler's having a really good year. There's no question about it. I wonder 21 and making no money. I, I, yeah, I, that, that, that's the thing. That's what makes like Walker Kessler maybe a more valuable trade asset right now than Rudy could be. Just no question. I don't think there's any question about that. Like, and that's tough. It is. It is. And I, this discussion stinks because it's like, like Tim Connolly, it would have been a better trade had he drafted a bad player. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's kind of the challenging part of it. Like, why don't you just take a stiff at twenty? <laughs> you know, like then people wouldn't look at this so negatively. That's what's tough about it. But or it just even if it was like, Wendell Moore, you know, and, right, and Wendell right. Moore was doing in Utah what he's been doing in Minnesota, which is just not playing. I, I we don't know about Wendell right. Moore at all yet, but like we know hell of a lot more about Walker Kessler, and it's been good. And I think that's kind of the that's kind of the point though is like. When you trade away the guys you picked and your future first round picks, they're all like yeah. lottery picks, you know, like not not like in the lottery, like they're lottery tickets. Mm-hmm. And Walker Kessler, boom, like it looks like Utah might be one for one. Um, right. And like when you make a Rudy Gobert trade, you're hoping that a lot of these tickets aren't going to cash. Um, <laughs> yeah. Utah already has one that's cashed, it looks like. Um, so that's that's the problem when you're trading like future assets mm-hmm. uh, for a, a win now thing is like it could end up blowing up in your face. Um, and We'll see. Like those are opportunities that the Wolves did not have for young growth that Utah now has mm-hmm. and already um, sees one early dividend on. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it is. I thought it was particularly tough in that game. You know, and and we're in this little Nas boomlet, right? I guess it's kind of been like all season. But you go, you start. Yeah. You know, you're watching like Nas make a play on offense, and then Walker Kessler come down and like catch the ball in the short roll and spray it to the corner, and you're like, oh man. That would really fit well here on on this team, and so I I I get it, you know, from the the fan perspective of like, what the hell, you know? But I just go back to my same thing. I'm like, it it just it is what it is at this point, and and what it is from a basketball standpoint still isn't that terrible. Like just from the I mean, the team still it's better than it is, right? And and Rudy is going to. In theory, his production is only going to go up. You're going to get cat back. You still have Aunt Jaden and all that, but it, you just go back to the picks and you go, man, it'd be nice to have those picks back it's simply because in three or four years, that's what I always go back to is like, you're going to want to have one, two or three firsts that you could trade to get a player or players around that fit Ant. We didn't know this summer what fit Ant. And three years from now, like, I think we're going to really know that. And it's likely not going to be the pieces that are on the roster at this time. Yeah, 100%. That's that's always the main thing. And like you brought it up many times, it's not picking players. It's having assets to acquire other players. And right. you have drained the account. You've mm-hmm. drained your bank account on that. Um, like it, there's no more withdrawals really um, until you get to like draft night and even years um, where, right. okay, we took this guy for you, right. um, you know, like, and now we can trade somebody, but you're just handcuffed a lot more. And like, you're on a really strict timeline with mm-hmm. all of the things. And like, I think we're already finding out more with Ant this year of like, put really defensive wings around him and he'll just be the offense. Yeah. That's what I've seen him have success with. And now it's like, okay, now, how do you get more of those guys? Exactly. Um, we're learning more and more all the time, like you said. And it's just, as you'd like to shape your roster around him, you just wonder how much flexibility you're going to have to do that. 
I will take one more break. We'll be back with Jace for one final segment here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jace, uh, we talked about Conley. We talked about Kessler. Let's talk a little bit about the Wolves. Uh, just, I guess, kind of what's what's coming up here on the schedule. I don't have a specific thing to focus in on. Um, you know, I, I, every time the Wolves lose to the Pistons or just lose a game where you're like, man, they could have, should have won that game, I just go in my head to like, well, you got to make up for it now. You know, you got to go. <laughs> it's a tall task to say, go beat Denver in Denver. But, you know, they beat this that team four times in a row. Denver is on a back-to-back again. Denver was on a back-to-back, the back end of a back-to-back last time they played the Wolves. Like, the Wolves, they got to kind of make, hey, here, I, I feel like I'm broken record. I've been saying this over and over again. But, like, if you could steal one in Denver, you know, Toronto, then on Thursday is, you know, they they haven't been great this year. And then you got Houston two times in a row. Like, I think you got to go, like, three and one in this this next four game stretch to again just to kind of make up for having fumbled that Utah game and within the past two and a half weeks or whatever having fumbled two other Detroit games like this is just the reality of if you want to even picture yourself as a six seven eight seed in the in the west you have to do these things I think that's what the condensed standings is is telling us yeah if you look at like strength of schedule stuff like the Wolves will play the third easiest schedule in the NBA to this point um so it i don't remember where i saw that somebody yeah. tweeted it out and i haven't even fact checked it but somebody <laughs> tweeted it i mean it was definitely like a legitimate well source. it makes sense it, it makes yeah. sense right just given how easy the schedule was they played so much i mean january is is so much at home then it, it is really if nothing else even outside of the quality of the opponent i think like it's kind of like right around the trade deadline on they have like 15 of 21 games on the road like that just in and of itself i don't care who you're playing that's making your strength of schedule significantly harder the rest of the way. Yeah, no question. Um, and so it is something where like you have to make up games and 
you know, like those Houston games are probably the two that you're like, you should win that game. I think they will. Yeah. I know you can say like, well, they lost to Detroit. Detroit's way better than Houston. <laughs> um, Houston's horrible. Although Kevin Porter Jr. has been out. That makes Houston a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> but like Houston's really bad. Yeah. And But right now, like, are you going to win tonight? Probably not. Uh, Denver's really rolling. I know Denver played last night, mm-hmm. uh, but Denver's really rolling. And frankly, like, if you don't have Rudy, then o- you can't offensively, yeah, and offensively, that team is just insane. I mean, that game last night, it was like Port, like it was Portland could do whatever they wanted offensively, you know. And and Denver's yeah. just kind of like becoming one of those teams where, you know, it kind of you're, when your offense is, it's like remember the Wolves the end the second half of last season. It's like the defense dropped off, but didn't really matter because they were the number one offense like Denver totally has like that entire energy and if you can't slow down that offense at all then I just I I don't know I just don't think many teams can score with them and I don't think the Wolves are are one of those teams that's why you got to slow them down and I I really liked the Anderson on Jokic thing and Gobert on on Gordon that might be it it slowed him down last time and when you know, you're looking for little hacks to slow down a team from being the best offense in the league against you. Yeah, I do think like Denver is a good example of like you make a move and then you have to let the move really like take time. Like and Aaron Gordon is a trade where like, you know, you've really fired Aaron point. Gordon and obviously they've had guys out. So he wasn't able to slot right quite into the right right role. And like that's kind of like Rudy here, too. They haven't really had the time with it. Aaron Gordon is now like he has found his fit next to Jokic. He's found what he needs to do within their full roster. Yep. And now he has a major asset like all-star candidate type player for them like you have to you it does take some time for things to like coalesce you know and really come together and and build the chemistry and and the fit and guys to figure out where they kind of belong within the grand scheme of a team for sure uh and so like that's why you can't always make some of these instant reactions even with like rudy gobert like you know if they can get some form of consistency and then maybe next year they do come back with the two bigs and they have it and it and it, it could all come together better than we think it could. You know, who, sure. who's to say? Uh, now, Denver obviously then made some moves this offseason, I think, to find pieces that, okay, here's what we have. What fits better alongside those guys? Bruce like Brown, KCP, man. Bruce Brown. Yep. Like, those guys just fit better. And it's made the entire team now, like, maybe the best team in the NBA, like, in that conversation anyway. Sure. Uh, so, like, I think that's a good example for teams to follow. Like, if you make a big move you have to understand it's not always going to pay the instant dividends um sometimes you have to kind of let things play out even when that's really hard to do even when we're going to rip it when it doesn't go well to start like because what else are we going to do we're going to analyze what's in front of us uh things are still going to take time no but it's a good it's a good point with the gordon trade it was like i remember i i loved that trade for denver at the time i back when i was writing i i wrote i think multiple times about like it was the off season of the trade that i'm like aaron gordon like that is the that is the fit next to cat. And, and then the trade happens. I'm like, okay, maybe I was wrong here. Maybe this, maybe Gordon is just what he was in Orlando and and not this, this perfect fit, but it, it really has come together for them. I think Gordon is a great fit next to Jokic. The question is like, is like, was that the right fit all along? And it had the chance to develop into something. Whereas you look at Rudy and Ant and you're like, well, yeah, it's going to get better over time, but what if it's ultimately not two Lego pieces that fit together? Like Jokic and Gordon do. It just it took them some time, but I just don't know how the Gobert and Ant specific piece, um, that's a pretty important piece to be able to connect to with this team. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, those are the tough decisions that have to continue to be made. And like, but, but that's what's hard. You're like, you know, because I, there are probably people within the Wolves organization who think the pieces do still fit, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, and because they thought they were going to fit to start. Um, and, and it's hard to change your mind on that. Um, and so if you think it's going to fit, it's going to take time. When you see these other trades and these other player roster shifts that do just take time, it's easy to convince yourself sure. that that's all you need here. And we don't know for sure. Like time is money, this, but we don't know for yeah. sure. It's just, there are a lot of like, conclusions that you can jump to um mm-hmm. i don't know what they're going to do because i could easily see them being like nope this is going to fit this is we looked at x y and z and that's why we thought it was good then we still think it's going to be good now you got to give it time we'll i i'm see. just yeah it, it, i think in ways it is going to fit a lot better but i i just think from the get-go it was a trade that did not focus enough on who and what ant is and who and what ant is going to be it was a trade to put a star player next to Cat in yep. Cat's prime, and that in and of itself isn't necessarily a you know a terrible deal. Cat's been toiling here for his entire career, mostly, and I don't know if he deserves that. He needed that, right? And so I, I get the idea of aiming at that for Cat, but we talked about the picks before; those directly incriminate Ant's prime. And, and as of now, the fit with Rudy, you know, detracts from Ant at the moment. I think, I think too, it's, it is, I'm not saying Nasrid is a better player than, than Rudy Gobert, but it is so blatant to the eye test that it is Ant's, right or wrong, it is Ant's preference to be playing with a player like Nas or like Cat, you know, who can just space the floor and let Ant get to the rim. Like he's gotten significantly better at. Like, I think we've talked a lot about like Ant as a playmaker. And we were talking to Ant a little bit, like just in the locker room, no microphones about his kind of like finishing package around the rim, like learning some of that hard and stuff. Like, that's happening. Like, Ant and he's the calls are only going to start coming more and more. Um, Ant is going to be a downhill player. Like, that is just who he is going to be in the best version of himself. And for Ant and who Ant is, Right now, Rudy's presence gets in the way of that. Can Ant adjust to that? Sure, I'm a, to to some extent he will. It's just a tough bet to make that that his fit with Rudy is going to be better than his just natural fit as a downhill attacker. Yeah, and I just I'm just in the belief that you should not make your 21 year old rising star should not at this point in his career be asked to change his game. Uh, to fit alongside other people that's it's too early i think and in, like and his ascension as he's adding things to his game adding on to what he already does well to be like we need you to really kind of that's what happened with cat that's what happened with cat and wiggins when they traded for jimmy yeah you're right you're right you know yeah. like and little apples to oranges but but not really like and those guys were a couple years older as well but yeah, yeah like wasn't cat weren't they like 22 and 23 though yeah like yeah, i guess older. okay yeah yeah i mean but, but wiggins but still, was a couple years old but right. it's it's the point it's the point of like Wiggins and I mean, but it was Cat's third season, and and is just a year younger because he made that jump reclassified. Yes, that that's true. That's true. I mean, it's it's just that like Cat specifically, Wiggins. You know, okay, he kind of like got relegated above the break, but he'd been coming off a bad year. Like it was like, okay, you know, Wiggins, you can go be the third, fourth banana on the team. Cat, it turned him into almost not exclusively. He was still shooting threes, but 
so much more of it was like right block, you know, and particularly in the playoffs, that w- that's what we saw against that Rockets team that year. It was like Cat got relegated to the block because that fit a Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose team. And probably to a lesser extent, but Ant, I think once this roster gets back full, he is going to feel limited in a or yeah, I guess limited is the right word of like what he is allowed to do. We, I think we saw that at the beginning of the season too. Like Ant can say as much as he wants that, you know, I'm, I'm cool with playing off ball and like going to the corner and then coming off and doing that. Like your body language does not say you're cool with being in the corner. <laughs> he doesn't, like, he doesn't really doesn't. say that either. I have I've, I've really <laughs> okay. heard him say the last couple weeks that he's cool with that. He's made it pretty clear that he wants to be on the ball. Um, I guess with, dating back, he was saying like, that he likes those opportunities. Uh, you know, I think that makes it pretty dang clear what he actually uh, feels. But yeah, you're right. Back then he was fine. He said it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, now that he's had the ball in his hands, he's like, yeah, I want the ball. I want, I want. Yeah, it was the I think Britt said it. He's like, once you give the keys to Ant, you're not getting them back. And like, Ant has the keys right now because they had to give it to him with, you know, Rudy struggling, Carl out, everything else. Like, I'm of the many different long list of things I'm fascinated to see with how this all fits back together when Carl's here. I'm just like, how is Ant used? There's no, I I mean, the the usage can't stay anywhere near as high as it's been. And I kind of like Ant at this usage. Like, it's, this has been the most consistent basketball he's played. Like, yeah, it's going to have a Carl on the floor is going to give him some more open looks and some cleaner driving pass, whatever. But I don't know. That's going to be that's going to just be weird for Ant to be like, OK, you're like a 31 usage back. to Now go back to 25, 26. Like what what's the opportunity cost there? I, I don't know. As this gets closer and Ant remains consistent, I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? You know? Yeah, that role is forced consistency because even when there are times where he looks like he's a little bit asleep and whatnot, which was like the first half of the Utah game, well, guess what? Like he scored twenty five points in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he he's having these bursts every single game, and it's more consistent on top of the bursts, like over in and around the bursts, he's playing better. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't think he played great against Utah. His fourth quarter defense was also bad, uh, but well, he started the first like, half terrible too. Yeah, I think correct. he had 25 like, in the like, second half, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had 25 in the second half. That's what I'm saying. And he four points in the first half. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, that's just it. If he has the ball in his hands most of the game, like he's not going to, mm-hmm. we're not going to see like these eight point showings anymore from Anthony Edwards. He's good. Like he's shown like, if you give me the ball, I will deliver. And that's been the case. So I'm with you. I don't think he can go back. I think the fact that Ant and Jaden are playing so well and in general consistently, um, mm-hmm is just more and more of like a that makes it more incriminating that you kind of veered away from that timeline. Totally. Um, So we said the next four, I think like three and one is a reasonable aspiration with two of those four games being against Houston, but just like doing the schedule thing, it's going ahead. Like you better go three and one because the next four after that are Pelicans, Grizzlies, Kings, Kings. You know, that's this, when you're talking about the strength of schedule, this is going to, this is going to turn up here. I mean, I, I ask you this every couple of weeks, but like, what do you think these next five to 10 games are going to look like for this team? Uh, that's not a good start. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it's just, it's so interesting because they play well against good teams. I know. Like, yeah. I, I am kind of done prognosticating what this team is going to do because they Same. really do like, they show up for big games. Like even tonight, Rudy could be out. And they will still probably find a way to compete in a game where they shouldn't. Um, it, that's just what they do. But then, you know, 
then they'll lose to the Pistons. So like, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You yeah, know, like yeah, I, I'm with that too. Um, all right, let's uh, wrap this up. Did you get a chance to look at prize picks this morning? I did. Uh, so Jason and I are going to each do two prize picks from this weekend slate of NFL playoff games. Uh, Jace, I'll let you go first. Yeah, okay. Um, the first one, I'm going to take an over on Trevor Lawrence, 245 and a half passing yards. I'm drunk off the second half he put forth on Saturday night um, in that comeback win over the Chargers. And I am in on what I think will be, I think the the Jags will put up a showing and there will be a lot of points scored at Arrowhead. Okay, that, that's interesting because I kind of went that. What, what do you think about? I mean, Mahomes' number is huge. It was like 303.5 in, in passing yards, which 315. is 315.5. Oh, it's is, 315. Oh, wow. I would never take an over of that number ever. Um, but I do think Mahomes, gener- in general, I think in his playoff game logs are always pretty huge. Right. Um, so, but I would never take an over. I would probably just leave it alone, if not take the under. Well, I, I had it. I had it under three or three point five. I don't know why I jumped up by that much. So I, I I'll say that must too. have been a lot of people taking overs. I, I guess. Um, I, I just, I don't think the games that game's gonna be close. Okay. And, and if that's the case, I don't think you need Patrick Mahomes to throw for well over three hundred yards, right? Like, if I thought this game would be at all competitive. Then, you know, then it's a, yeah, it's at least a stay away or maybe it's an over because just like Mahomes is Mahomes. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the the under on that, I guess, 315.5 on Mahomes. And then I guess I'm, I, I did this yesterday. So I'm just going off of what the numbers were the day before. I'm going to go the other way. We're keeping it quarterbacky here. Um, but I'm going to say over 230 and a half passing yards from Jalen Hurts. Um, it's up to 240 and a half. What, what did, Maybe this is just my air. Whatever. I'll, I'm sticking with it. I'll, I'll take over yep. there. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feels like everyone's forgetting about the Eagles a little bit, you know, because the end of the regular season was was tough, too. So um, or he was he was hurt. So I'll, I'll take I'll take Hertz as my over there. OK, I will take the under on Ezekiel Elliott, three thirty four and a half rushing yards. Um, this guy has been <laughs> frankly, like he just looks pretty washed, but. I uh, barely used in the Washington game, the Tampa game, like Tony Pollard has really kind of commanded that backfield. I think it's been winning time for Dallas, like in the playoffs, whatnot. So they've really decided to go with the more explosive, better back. So Zeke's usage is down 34 and a half for him. That that requires at least like 12 carries. Um, and I <laughs> see him getting it. So I feel sure. pretty good about that one against a really good San Fran defense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, as all season, Jason and I were picking these prize picks uh, games. So maybe, your their fantasy football is definitely over for you now. If you want to have something to kind of follow along with as you're watching these playoff games this weekend, uh, do try out Prize Picks. Uh, PrizePicks.com or the Prize Picks app. Uh, they will give you a hundred dollar sign up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. If you're just getting uh, started with Prize Picks, so try that out. Um, it is legal to do in in Minnesota because it is just daily fantasy and not a a sports book. So try that out if you're looking for additional reason to watch the the NFL this weekend. Chase and I will be watching the Wolves throughout the rest of this a lot of games this week. This week's insane. Um we'll we'll be watching the Wolves and um I will be back uh not until Friday morning. We're skipping a a Brit pod this week or during the week at least because I'm on the road for this this Denver game and there's a game on Thursday. So Kyle and I will be back on uh, on Friday to talk about what happens against Denver and Toronto both there. Uh, until then, you know, follow everything Jace does over at Pioneer Press Home on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Till then, peace out. 
How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com